Welcome to Driven Creatively Mad. I'm your host, Chris Black, and this is actually the last episode of this season where I interview creators who aspire to earn a living from their art. And on this episode, I speak with the cartoonist Khalid Birdsong. Khalid, who started his career as an art teacher in Florida in the United States, moved to Japan to teach English, which inspired him to make his first comic strip, Fried Chicken and Sushi. This comic strip is based on his experiences as a black man living in Japan. After a couple of years in Japan, where he met his wife, they moved back to the United States and now live in California. Why did his comic strip change names to Little Fried Chicken and Sushi? What inspires him? Why did he take a break for almost a year from creating his comic strip? Let's find out. Hey, Khalid, how you doing? Doing great, Chris. How are you today? I'm doing really good. So, you're a cartoonist, right? Is that how you would classify, like, the type of creator you are? Yes, I I would. And first of all, thanks for having me on your show. You know, I I am a cartoonist, and I guess I look at it as something where, you know, I, always, I like to write, and I always like to draw, and I kind of combine those together. So I call myself a cartoonist. I think uh, at one point, I thought, am I an illustrator, or am I a cartoonist? <laughs> and then I found, you know, from a lot of talking to artists and, and reading that illustrators normally draw the pictures for someone else's writing or, or, or something like that. And then a cartoonist does both. So I just kind of hold uh-huh. that down to say, okay, I'm a cartoonist. That's great because I do enjoy both parts of it and they go hand in hand. So, yeah, so yeah that's what I do. That's interesting. I've, I've never thought of it that way because I've – I think of myself as more of a designer with the mm-hmm. type of work I do, trying to do cartooning, but I've never thought of it in those terms, how an illustrator would be someone that just draws someone else's story, but a cartoonist creates the story and then draws it as well. So it's like the whole package. Yeah, um, don't you think, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand that connection quite a bit. You know, like they think of comic strips and 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 stuff like that as something that has to do with art and drawing. And I think they forget that wait no this person is a writer you know like this person yeah. is their writing's not only something that's funny but something that, that they have to kind of cut out a lot of the unnecessary right they have to really break it down to the simplest words straightforward and easy to read and all of that they're doing all of these yeah. things and and drawing and and then putting it out there on a regular basis that you know they just think oh yeah i love art in that it's really fun and so yeah there's so much more to it that I think that maybe because of the more comic strips and, and art, you know, it's out there now. Maybe people are appreciating it, but I don't know. I don't think I understood that as much when I was a kid. It just all went together. Like, this art is great. I love it. Going back when you were a kid, did, were you more drawn to the, <laughs> no pun intended, the drawing <laughs> side of cartooning or the writing? Was, was it equal? Like, how, like kind of how did you come into it? When I was a kid, I loved making my own comics, but I didn't think about them as comic strips. I mean, I loved reading the comic strips and that kind of cartoony style, but I also yeah. loved animation, and I didn't really make animation. I made more, I guess they were more like graphic novels now, but they went around like that when I was a kid where, you know, there are stories, adventure stories, or maybe comedic stories with characters doing funny things, but it wasn't that everything ended in a joke. It was more that... I like to write the stories and draw the comics and put them together with paper and staple them and give them to my friends and all of that. I enjoyed that kind of um, the long form story more. And I, I was very committed to that throughout most of my youth. And of course got into superhero comics and started learning how to draw superhero comics. Thought I'd get into that because I didn't see, I didn't see any real comics that I, except for the, ones from Europe, you know, like they had like Tintin and Asterix and Obelix and that sort of thing. I love those comics, but I didn't really see a lot of those here. So I figured, well, you can't really do that. But I always loved telling my own stories and writing my own stories. And so that's kind of what it was of like, I just want to do this. And now graphic novels are huge. Finally, they're here and, you know, it's kind of mainstream. But, but yeah, in the beginning, that's what it was. It wasn't about comedy. And so, so yeah, it's just kind of become that. So for me, I'm kind of a recent comic strip cartoonist, but I always think about being more of a graphic novel cartoonist first. So your your comic strip that you have is uh, Little Fried Chicken and Sushi, right? Yep. yep. No, it wasn't always little, though. <laughs> no, it wasn't. 
wasn't. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The original fried chicken and sushi was more kind of based on my two years of living in Japan and loosely based because they were things that I made up. But, you know, I, I, I started it that way and ran it for four years. And yeah. And so then it, it's, it's now evolved into instead of a 20 something guy, black guy living in Japan and dating and all of that. Now it's become more of a family comic strip about a black family living in Japan with a magical Japanese raccoon, a tanuki, yeah. living with them. And so now I get to talk about everything from because the kids, you have the kids aspect of it, and then you have the parents, and then you have uh, kind of a cute, crazy, magical animal side. So I can touch on all the different parts that, that I have kind of going on in my life instead of the, except for the magical tanuki. So <laughs> you don't so it's become... I wish. I wish I had one. So, you know, it's it's fun to, to be able to have something that I can kind of go off in my own life, but it's not exactly what's going on with me. And I'm not living in Japan now, but my wife is Japanese. And so we, we go back to Japan regularly and see family. And so mm. I can go and get new material and write. And so, yeah, it's evolved over the past, I'd say, 10 years or so. Yeah. That's a long time to be yeah. Working on a strip like that. Now, what originally took you to Japan? You know, I let's see here. I was teaching um, art in Florida. You know, that's kind of more my my day job is is teaching, and I've enjoyed having teaching and cartooning because it's you know you get some some time off, and the schedule seems to work well uh, for that. Yeah. But I was teaching art there, and I don't know. I just I had a time in America where I just wanted a break. First of all, I was interested in in Japan and the art and comics and the language. And I felt like there's no way I'm going to learn Japanese in America. It's just too hard. Yeah. I really want to kind of explore the country. And so I thought about taking a trip there at first. I wanted to take a trip. And so a friend, a friend of mine, Jason and I, you know, like he, we were planning, okay, we're going to plan this trip. And then I found the jet program, Japanese English teaching program. And I saw that, Hey, you know, you can actually teach English in Japanese schools and and live in Japan. And so I figured, okay, I'd apply. And both of us applied. My friend Jason and I, we both applied okay. to the program. And it took like six months of a long process. Oh, and wow. then, unfortunately, Jason didn't get in. And I got in. And that was, that was kind of heartbreaking because we had this dream of, yeah, we're both going to go and we're going to teach. And even if we're in different parts of Japan, we'll both be there and and all yeah. of that. And so I thought that, okay, well, I guess I won't go then. You know, if he can't go, forget it. And yeah, and then he, he said, no, no, if you have this opportunity to do this, you got to take it if you're interested in it. And, you know, so I, I went ahead and went to Osaka, Japan, and, you know, and of course talked to him all the time via everything. So when I made the fried chicken and sushi strip, I kind of wrote that into it of, you know, the character J with just the letter J instead yeah. of Jason. But I wrote him in there as the best friend that is not able to go, but then they're on the phone and the whole kind of thing of J go to Japan at some point and how will that work became a part of the story. But that comes from reality of that kind of disappointment and us trying to make it work. Yeah. And, you know, he's trying to live kind of vicariously through my experiences and all of that. And so, yeah, that's how it started. So are you... Like I would never apply to teach somebody English because I, I, was, never good, I was never good with with writing when I was in school. Even like in college, I, I I felt like I struggled and even saved my foreign language to my senior year in college. I took Swahili. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, really? I, I did. That's great. It, well, someone told me that that's what all the football players take. It's an easy class for them to take because they're busy, you know, with football. Right, right. So has English and grammar always come easy or were, is it easy to no get way. the program? Or <laughs> Well, I think the thing is with, with this, with JET program, it was more like you just have to kind of have a degree. You know, you have to graduate from college. And okay. that was just the and it and because I was wondering the same thing. It's like, hey, I'm an art teacher. I'm not an English teacher. Yeah. And so yeah. I was thinking that it was going to be something where I, people are writing essays, and I am, you know, it's not that sort of thing. It's more like 
a cultural exchange more so than the teaching oh, part. So okay. I was not by myself, you know, and, and you're not on your own. You have a Japanese person who is the teacher who teaches English to the students. And then you're there as like an assistant language teacher. So a lot of it is kind of pronouncing words, you know, teaching them how to pronounce, talking about oh. the country that you're from, because it's an international thing. You could be from Australia or the UK, yeah. but you're talking about, okay, well, where I'm from, you know, we do this and we do that. And it's more of, yeah, kind of teaching about another country. And sometimes you grade tests, vocabulary tests and that sort of thing, but it's not that high level. And it was middle school I was working in. And so I figured, okay, I could do that part of it. I, you know, and so for that, it was fun and it was just full of experiences. So after that, there were just so many crazy, interesting things that happened where I felt like I needed to make a comic about it. But, but yeah, so that's the main requirement that I think you have to be, you can't be a, over a certain age. So you, you can't be over 40 and you need to have graduated from college. And, you know, so it's just like a first job for some people. They might not even become teachers afterward. It's just more of an international experience. You can go for, I think, at least two years, possibly more if you work in a different aspect or your Japanese proficiency is pretty high. But aside from that, yeah, yeah, it's a good start for some people. They do that right after college and then they come back to wherever their country is and they say, I have some international experience and it helps them move forward. So yeah, for that, it was good. For me, I was a bit old, older than them because most of the kids were, were out of college and then I had been out in the world for like five or six years at that point. And so it was kind of interesting to see people that never had a real job and then they're suddenly in Japan and having to work. But still, it was still a pretty amazing experience to have had, yeah. So did you meet your wife when you were over there? I did, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Met her through friends and... So, you know, I kind of talk about that in the in the comic as well. And that was yeah. something that surprised me because I didn't think that I would meet my wife. You know, I didn't think that that, that was something that was possible. I mean, maybe uh, dating or something like that. But I just figured everything would be too different. You know, we're from yeah. different countries. and But everything works. You know, we, we work well. And, you know, I was able to learn Japanese. And then she was able to learn more English. And. Yeah, we've been able to work it out. Before you left, you were in Florida, and you're not in Florida now. You're you're in California. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, Bay Area, and I think you know once once you go as far as Japan, <laughs> it's just kind of like, <laughs> well, you know, might as well decide another place to want to go. And yeah, it just kind of worked out that way. Spent some years in Los Angeles, and then moved up to the Bay Area, and it's it's nice. You know, it's nice. We've yeah. got yeah, yeah, we've got quite a bit here, and I like tech and technology and being around a lot of that. It's some interesting innovations that happen here. And so that's exciting. And so, you know, it's pretty expensive place yeah. to live, but there's a lot going on. And so, yeah, it's kind of a cool area to be in, but I never would have thought that this is where I would end up. Yeah. So did you jump like right back into teaching when you got back? I did. Let's see here. But I kind of had to take a step backwards, you know, before... Before Japan, I was teaching art to, let's see here, elementary school, and it was kindergarten through fifth, and I was the main teacher and doing all of that. And then, you know, I guess I was more of an assistant teacher in in Japan for those two years. So then when I got a job coming back, it was difficult for me to find another art teaching position. And so in Los Angeles, I had to do, I had to be an assistant teacher. So, you know, it was, and so I was working with, a teacher was a private school, but I was working with a teacher and I was in third grade and in kindergarten. And so I spent a few years doing that and trying to find art teaching positions. And it was harder. So that was a kind of a blow to my ego a little bit just because of, um, yeah, of, wow. You know, I thought that going to Japan would then set me up for even yeah. more success later. But it took a while until I then found an art teaching position here in the Bay Area and was able to move up and uh, up here and do that. But, you know, this is how life is, right? Like it's not always a straight line, right? It, it's kind right. of, it can zigzag a bit. So it, it worked out, but, but yes, it was tough. But the good thing about that time was that as an assistant teacher, I really, 
didn't have as many responsibilities as you know a lead teacher would. So yeah. I drew a graphic novel, a Young Bloods, Tales of Tretoria, Young Bloods. I spent you know time drawing that and getting that out, and then I was planning fried chicken and sushi at the time. And so when, when was that this? Was was this in two thousand nine or ten? Oh, well, this was like earlier, two thousand six or seven or so. Oh wow! Think. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so that was quite some time ago, but I, it was a great time for producing comics because I could just basically go to my job, do my job, and then come home and not really have a lot there, right? And it's, it, yeah. we don't always have that opportunity in life. And so I looked at that and I was like, you know, it's not always going to be like, like this, so I better produce. <laughs> and and so I did, and it was good. And so I, I was kind of prepping fried chicken and sushi for when I was ready to have it, you know, to start it up because I just knew I had to do something. I really didn't write a lot of humor. And so I said, okay, I'm going to make this action comic about based on me living in Japan, and it's going to be where this magical raccoon, Tanuki, comes, and then he can just at any point just take me back in time to feudal Japan, and then I'm a samurai, and I've got to fight these monsters, and then I can't go back to my regular time until I fight, all the, until I fight the monster, and then I'm zapped back to whatever time. You know, and so it was going to be called The Black Samurai, and it was going, that was going to be what I would create and it would be something yeah. I put on the web because web comics were really starting to become popular then. Yeah. I entered the comic book challenge, which was like the American idol of comics where yeah. you can go in and, and pitch. And I, I got picked for one of the top 50 people. So I could go to comic con in San Diego and then pitch the black samurai comic. And, you know, I didn't win, but it was a cool experience and it showed me that, hey, this has some legs. Like, maybe this idea could be good. But I decided to say, well, you know, comic strips are really getting a lot of attention. So why don't I try that? And it worked out from there. Did they not broadcast that on the Internet? I don't know if YouTube was around back then. I remember seeing a video of you. I think you were in, like, a full, was it a a gi or? I I don't know what you call it. Like a traditional Japanese kind of, you know, clothing. And so I just, I dressed for it and I brought like a stuffed uh, raccoon and put it in my, you know, in my clothes. And I acted like I was reading from a scroll. So I really wanted to get into it. And they said that, they said, you know, do something to really sell it and, and become uh, memorable. And so, yeah, it was, it was a scary experience, but it was fun. It was cool to be able to just do that, but it showed that this, could be something, but I don't know how we, I, I wish I had done that, you know, the long form version of it. But it was fun to kind of figure out the comic strip and, and learn comedy and, and do it that way, too. OK, so you've got the, your comic strip Fried Chicken and Sushi, which was yep. inspired by your your time in Japan. But you shifted it to Little Fried Chicken and Sushi. So mm-hmm. why did you make that shift? OK, well, here's the part. So I... Within fried chicken and sushi, so I had been doing it for just about four years, and it was somewhat popular. I mean, you know, yeah. for something that I've done, I, I'd never done anything that was getting that much attention. I built it up for something good, and I kept hearing from other cartoonists on podcasts and everything about Go Comics, you know, gocomics.com by um, Andrews McMeal syndication and that's their site where you can read like Calvin Hobbs and Garfield and and up and coming cartoonists. They were like, yeah, a lot of up and coming cartoonists are on here and it already has kind of a built in audience. So at the time I'd done some, some kid versions of the characters for regular fried chicken and sushi, just for the fun of it. Right. And, but they didn't get much response from people because of course it's different, right? It's different than the regular. And I think most of my fans, they come because they like the the 20 something dating overseas type uh, idea. Right. So it wasn't that big of a deal. But I went ahead and submitted to Go Comics. And I said, well, let me just put a package together, a collection of strips. And then something in the back of my mind said, well, you know, maybe I should put in some of these ones with the then as kids, just in case. Because, and I was kind of honest with the fact that, look, this is, this is a black guy in Japan. And then there's some talk of racism and, and perception and prejudice right. and that sort of thing that I talk about. Maybe they won't want to go there with it. So let me just add those in just for the fun of it. So I did that. And then a month later, I heard back from them. And they were like, well, you know, we, we, we love that you've been doing this consistently for four years. But they were like, you know, the, the comic is just kind of too all over the place. And there's too many things going on. We don't know about the fried chicken and sushi. But these kids 
the kids one, maybe we can do something with that. And would you be interested in that? And so I said, yeah, sure. So, okay, that's great that I, I got to do that. And then I started, you know, making some strips with the kids and figuring out how can I do this so that I can do everything I want to do in one strip. And so making the main character, Carl, who's kind of based on me, but making him a kid who's like 10, 10, 11 years old, and he's going to an international school in Japan, and his dad is an art teacher at that international school there was a lot of fun, but I made a mistake. I, I got so into it, and I really loved the opportunity of being on there because everyone doesn't get on Go Comics, so I felt like it was really something great, and I yeah. felt like I could, I could stop my regular fried chicken and sushi. Like it became too hard. It was almost like I outgrew the original fried chicken and sushi. Cause at that point in my life, okay, I'm now married. I have a child and I'm not living in Japan anymore. And I'm writing the strip about this character who's living in Japan and who's young and dating. And so I felt like, well, let me let that go. So I did. I ended the original one. I could have balanced both, right? I could have said, well, I'll do two strips a week of this one and one or two strips a week of this other one. I could have done them both, but it felt too overwhelming at the time and all of that. So yeah, I let the original fried chicken and sushi go. And I really wish I wouldn't have. I, I wish I could have figured out a way to keep it going because all of those readers that like the original strip did not follow me over to Go Comics. They did not they did oh, not wow. want to read they did not want to read the now a little old fried chicken and sushi. And and so I was basically starting from scratch again. I mean I got some attention when I jumped onto Go Comics and got you know some some fans from Go Comics kind of coming over to read it and it's new and different. And I guess a lot of those people are still with me. But you know, it's even though I've been able to keep this strip going I've made mistakes throughout from yeah. the overwhelm, the overwhelm of it all. Because, you know, as a cartoonist, you're making comics all year long, no matter what's going on. And so, you know, you're not really taking vacations. If you take a vacation, you need to double up on your strips yeah. so you can have something that's going to go during that week that you're off or whatever. It's a tough kind of grind. And so, so yeah, I, I, I really still regret that. I wish I would have figured out a way to keep it going because maybe I could have made a business from from the original fried chicken and sushi. But yeah, it just didn't didn't quite happen that way. What's the benefit of being on Go Comics? I think that one of the biggest benefits really is that you are on a site where you're sharing space with other comics, you know, okay. and that are well known, right? Where you can be on there with Garfield and everything like that. And yeah. so that's that's more uh, I don't know if you can measure that, but as a cartoonist I liked I like that idea of it, but you know, I think the main thing is just kind of saying you're on there and you're a part of Angel's McMeal syndication and all of that. But still, it's you could do a lot of that on your own and and still get a lot of attention. I think though, for me, I'm doing a family comic strip. It's kind of rep- representation in a lot of ways. Like you know, in Go Comics, there are not a lot of black cartoonists doing comics about black families especially ones that are living overseas where you, you just don't see anything like that. And so I feel like hopefully by being on there, there's someone that's reading that and it's opening up their mind or it's changing the way they look at things. And so, so yeah, so that's for me, one of the reasons I stay on there is because of that. Just, you just don't see it. And recently they've been really nice because of everything that's going on now with, you know, police brutality and, and protesting yeah. and all of that. They Go Comics has been good at putting black cartoonists on their homepage. And so now they have me on there on the homepage with Little Fried Chicken and Sushi, and they have Crab Grass by Tahi Bondia, and they have Keith Knight's comics. So they have, you know, black cartoonists on there, still just a handful, but they're on the cover, so you know, on the homepage, so you can go and and click on them and discover them if you haven't heard of them before. And that's never been done. That's huge. So, so for that, I think it's it's worth it. But I think it's a good place to kind of work yeah. on my strip. And I have an editor that can help me. She doesn't look at every single thing that I do, but she can help me. You know, a couple of times a year, I'll send her some strips and say, "What do you think?" And she can give me her feedback and where I need to grow. And I never had that before. Oh, you know, wow. I never had that. I was just kind of guessing, right? Just trying to throw yeah. stuff out there and, and read and, and figure it out. But she can give me a, a full, because she edits all of the comics from, you know, all the main big timers to whatever. So she can look 
and say, well, I think this isn't, you know, working here and that. And so that is like gold for me to be able to improve. And I've grown because of her help. So, so yeah, those are kind of the reasons why I, I like staying on there. Just kind of the, the representation and, and that kind of help and just kind of being there and feeling like, Hey, you know, like I'm on a page where like there's little fried chicken and sushi and next to it is Calvin hops. Yeah. I mean, to me, yeah, I'm like, looking at it right hops. now and I'm like, Oh my God, yeah. I'm going to take a screenshot of this. It's, it's awesome because you've got the far side. Yeah. Calvin and Hobbes, little fried chicken and sushi, pearls before swine, big Nate, which my, my son's read a bunch of big Nate stuff. Like oh, the, big Nate is huge. Book. Yeah. yeah. This is great. So being able, yeah. thanks. I mean, being able to be a part of that for me as a cartoonist, I mean, like that's, that's great. That feels good. And, you know, I've worked a, a long time to kind of get to a place where I feel like my, comic is now decent enough quality to get that kind of attention. And so it's good that they're doing that. And so, yeah, so it's things like that, that kind of keep me there, but I'm totally okay with still having my own website and doing my own marketing and, and, you know, go comics is just one place that I can be. And I put comics on Instagram, which has been working great too. So I'm not expecting for go comics to be the place to help me make it big, but it's a, it's been really a nice place to kind of grow and improve over the years. But but here's the here's the truth of it though, you know, for about a year there, I quit the strip, and I don't know if yeah. you knew that that was uh, that that happened. I I went through that one one of those times, you know. I think I did Little Fried Chicken Sushi for about two years, I think it was, and really put a lot into it. It was just too hard during that time, and there were other things going on in life. And I just told them, you know, like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And I don't have time for it. And I felt like it wasn't as valuable. You know, like I, I didn't see those things I was just talking about. I didn't really see those benefits as, as important. And I was just tired. I think burnt out from doing that and everything else in, in life and not seeing it grow the way I'd like. I thought I'd really enjoy the time away, but that's when I realized that I'm a cartoonist where it's like, I need cartooning in my life to help make sense of life and the world. I always feel blessed and, and thankful for the things that I have and for my life. I, I need to I need to have that deadline. I have to have something that's making me do this or it's not going to work. And I love the cartooning part of it. And I think I realized that I needed to go back after, yeah, after taking that year off. Where do you see this going? Like the next five years? Have you... I know you've thought about it. Everybody thinks about these things. That's true. I, with everything going on in the world right now, <laughs> you know, I used yeah. to, I used to think that I had it figured out. Right? I think we all did. And then with everything going on, it's hard for me to say I don't know what's going to happen. But of course, for me, my dream has always been to be able to just kind of make books out of them. I. I, I do have the first two collections. I have two books from mm-hmm. the original Fried Chicken and Sushi that I published on my own that are on Amazon. Living in Japan ain't easy. And Living in Japan still ain't easy. So I put those <laughs> together and I and I published them. So at least the original run of Fried Chicken and Sushi is out in book form. But I, I still dream of being published and having a, a publisher help or doing Kickstarters and understanding that process and kickstarting my own book collections and then doing some graphic novels. And so yeah. I think that's where I would like to go. My thing is with the publishers, I mean, I love independent publishing. I think that's a great way to do it. But with, say, Little Fried Chicken and Sushi, it's more, I mean, anyone can read it, but it is geared more towards kids, right? And kids right. aren't really online reading comics. And so it's more of you got to get to parents and be, yeah, you can be on Amazon, but you got to be in places like bookstores and libraries and that sort of thing. And a publisher can really help with that if you're going for the young adult middle grade kids market, which is where I'm going. And so I'd love to be able to get the comics published. And, and so that's kind of where it would, where it would go and then hopefully do some, some graphic novels. So that's kind of where I'd like to go with it and just keep making comics until I can't anymore. <laughs> that's really yeah. my plan. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a a set of questions I like to ask my guests, and I call these rapid-fire questions, but the responses or your answers don't have to be rapid-fire. But one of the the first question is, what tool or resource do you find to be the most effective in helping you create your art? 
Oh, wow. Okay, so I mentioned about how I started fried chicken and sushi on paper and, and then yeah. the traditional traditional, traditional yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, and just drawing lines to write my lettering in and all of that. But I think that after about a year, maybe a year and a half of doing that, I went ahead and, and got a Clip Studio Paint software. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, mainly a software that's made for making comics of different types. And that's been huge. That and my Wacom or Wacom Cintiq tablet, which I'm still using the same used Wacom Cintiq that I bought years ago on eBay or something. So you don't even have to spend, you know, thousands of dollars on a new one. I get a used one. And I love that. But those those two, just having that and my MacBook and MacBook uh, Pro, just being able to work just the, the technology of that. Like I fell in love with cartooning again when I could do it in Clip Studio Paint because you do everything in one software. And it's just, you know, I can draw, I can do blue pencil, I can set it up, and and then I can I have a font that, that works, and then I can color yeah. it, and then boom, just, just pop it right out there. And it was amazing. That completely changed my life when I was like, wow. It's just so much more fun for me to create. And that's just me. I guess I'm suited to it. Maybe I, I, I like the fact that I can erase easily and, and undo oh, yeah. quickly and that sort of thing. Right. So it's like, I, I like that process. So I just, I'm having more fun working through the technology and cartooning. And then it saved me tons of time, right? It saves me so much. Time. I don't have to scan. I don't have to clean up my image when I've scanned it in and do all that, you know, all of that is gone. And I'm just making, I get to open it up. Boom. Here's my page. I set up my, my panels because clip studio is made for that, where you just, you can just do it and then cut them. It's like you cut from a block and then you go, okay, this panel, that panel, and then I'm good to go. It's really nice. It, it, yeah. it takes away some of that other stuff. And if I'm ever doing any uh, freelancing or freelance illustration or art for anyone, it's a lot faster now because I can get it done directly on the computer and give it right to them. So, so yeah, those are the, those are the tools that have kind of changed my cartooning yeah. life. I gave up drawing on paper a couple of years ago. I've had an iPad pro for a couple of years, maybe three. Nice. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go all in. <laughs> I gave my wife all my art supplies. She does tiny art illustrations, like little teeny yeah. tiny things. And yeah, her stuff is just, great. I've seen, I follow her on Instagram. Yeah. She's yeah. Good, beautiful but I gave stuff. her everything. And then she's bought stuff too. And um, I love drawing digitally because like draw, trying to illustrate where you're doing the traditional comic style where you're drawing with a blue pencil and then you got to ink it and then you got to scan it. And then you got to clean it up. And then it's like, yeah. well, I need to color it. And then, you, then like, it, it's just like the process was just so hard. And I, tr- and I, take everything with me when I, when I come to my job and like traveling with all that stuff in my bag was just a pain. Do you use, do you use the Apple pencil or have you tried that? I do. How does that, how does that work for you? I love it. it. It's awesome. It's almost like it's too good. <laughs> I don't like that line. Undo. I don't like that line. Undo, undo, undo. Right. Okay. I like that line there. And then you move on to the next thing. <laughs> so I'm just using the iPad pro for now. And well, it looks I mean, great. I, I love it. I think that's wonderful. If you that's what it, that's what matters, right? It's just like you're yeah. enjoying it, you're loving this, and then maybe at some point you'll you'll get to a point where you want something else in addition to that. But if you're enjoying where you are right now, yeah, yeah I mean, stick with it. And, and even for me, like doing digital art, it's it's this thing of you know when I do anything for anyone, I can change something later you know like back when i was working on paper it was so hard about okay now i'm gonna wipe this out and then i better redraw this or i have to redraw the whole thing or no 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 if there's something wrong i could just go back in there and then make a change and then save it again and we're good to go or if i'm working for a client on something and they want something else i'm not stressed anymore it's great to just know that you can you can make any changes that you need now, when you transitioned to working digitally, did you have this sense of regret not having original art to keep or to share or to sell? I get, yeah, no one wanted my original art at the time. It wasn't that big of a regret for me. I mean, I, okay. yes, I, mean, I, I felt a little weird because from that time, right, I mean, I was always working traditionally so i was just accustomed to paper so it was a bit strange in that way and i felt like oh well yeah i'm not going to have originals but you know if i get if and when i get to the point where people want to buy my originals that badly then 
okay, I'll have like one year's worth and then that's it. So they're more valuable. <laughs> so I'll just sell yeah. them for more. But but no, the amount of fun and how much faster the comics were going, I, I really didn't look back. I, I was kind of like, okay, I will make sure to store these originals that I had and, and take good care of them. But I am full force going into this digital world. And so, yeah, not too many regrets on that side. So what's your favorite time-wasting activity? Yeah, I don't waste a lot of time. <laughs> you know, I don't have a lot of time to, well, because I could say I could say like reading comics, but that's not a waste for me. I'm studying. You know, like right. anytime I, I love reading graphic novels and comics and and even books on like business and marketing because that's a part of what I have to do now too, right? So I love reading all those things, but but it's not wasting time. I'm learning. I'm studying how they draw this or how they do this scene or this expression or, you know, or how this is done. And so time wasting. Yeah. Not a lot of those there, I guess, you know, TV could be that, but I still feel like anything that's a story, I'm still studying, right? Because I'm a storyteller. And so I like to watch television and and cartoons and, and movies, but I'm always looking at how they're telling that story. What angle are they using in this, uh, you know, in this shot, and then what is this about, and what's the meaning of this? So I think it's hard for me to completely just kind of let go. I think that going for a walk, also not a waste of time, because you're getting exercise, but that's when I'm just walking. And yeah. What's well, a, a good time-breaking activity? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the, yeah. the time break of just getting away, moving, walking, thinking, working through things, and then often I'll have new ideas, or I'll I'll have to write down something after the walk because I, I was, you know, even if I wasn't thinking about it, it just comes up because my brain has that, that quiet time to just move and think through things. So I think I love, I love the walking part of it, but okay. I know it's not really a waste of time. It's, but, but yeah, it, it feels like a nice yeah, break away from everything. Do you have a certain exercise routine that you, you do or stick to? Oh, exercise. You know, I, I like the walking and some jogging, but I'm not a runner. Like, I don't go out and run for miles. Like, if I can run for a mile and a half, then that's really great. But I think that that's really nice. Do that a okay. few times a week. And I actually, I like I like body strength exercises. I think that mm-hmm. that's important, like doing pull-ups and push-ups, calisthenics type yeah. work. I like doing that. And, you know, I think for us as, as artists, illustrators, you know, we have to sit for a long time, right? And so I think we, it's important yeah. to kind of, have a strong core and strong body to do that. And so I also do some yoga at least like once a week or, or so just to kind of stretch because I used to have lower back pain. And then once started doing yoga and I never wanted to do it because I thought that it was not for me. But then once I started doing it, I was like, Oh wow, this is great. I I don't have the back pain anymore. And, and so, yeah, that's it. It's more of the walking, running yoga, some strength training. And so like each, each day, I'll pick something in the morning to do, and it seems to work, but I am not someone who goes to the gym for hours, or, I mean, really, I'm spending maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour, but I don't have a lot of time to go work out and exercise for myself, so those kind of shorter workouts, more high intensity, seem to work well for my schedule. Do you have any guilty pleasures? Oh, yes. I mean... You know, I like sweets. I have a uh, sweet tooth, and so I, I love chocolate chip cookies, and that's why I give my character, yeah. uh, Tanuki, who's the raccoon, he loves chocolate chip cookies, so I get that out in the comic. But, so i got to eat less of those, and I try, but yeah, sugar is kind of like my my thing. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll eat a little bit of that, so I've got to watch the, the desserts. Yeah. And, and maybe I just, I don't know, maybe I read a little too many comics. You know, I go to the comic shop, and I have a pull list, and I read too many of those and buy too many books, but that's where I tend to spend most of my money on books and comics and, yeah. and cookies. Yep. Who is your favorite artist or creator? It's always a hard question for me because yeah. it's hard to say uh, the one. I think some people may have that one that influenced them quite a bit, but I, you know, cause I, I like so many people, I, you know, Calvin Hobbes was huge with Bill Watterson when I was, younger and I really just loved what he was able to do at that time. Yeah. But I just love so so many artists. I think that as far as an influence, let's say Jeff Smith who does Bone, mm. yep. the, the comic Bone and, you know, a lot of that the book he was independently publishing when I was in like high school and college. And I remember seeing that and saying, 
I can still make comics, you know, like as his was very, it was not superhero comics, right? And that was the time yeah. I think in the nineties and everything when superhero comics were huge, they were huge. And, you know, he was doing something very different with these little characters on a fantasy adventure. And I was like, this is the kind of stuff that I want to do. And so I set out to do that kind of work. And so seeing the success that he's been able to have, and I was able to meet Jeff Smith a few years ago and, and yeah. thank him. And he was super cool. And, you know, and so I, I just, yeah, so I kind of modeled a lot of what I did after after him and seeing that that's possible. So, I mean, he's definitely one of my favorites. And then the artist I mentioned before, Keith Knight, who does the nightlife and the K-Chronicles, I think he ended the nightlife that was syndicated for a while. And now he's got this TV show on Hulu, Woke, which everybody should should watch because it's about a cartoonist and about kind of oh, his journey cool. of getting getting to his voice and what he's all about. And it's it's a comedy. It's it's very kind of in your face and, and great. He's got some animated versions of his art. I mean, it's amazing. I've watched him kind of go through the years. He's We've talked quite a bit through the years, and he's given me advice. And I've seen what he's doing, and he he's told me about how to think about certain things over the years. And so he's been a real influence kind of on on me continuing to make comics because he's a black yeah. male and there just aren't that many black men in comic strip cartooning. And so right. being able to see what he's been able to do and, and now, you know, having this TV show, it's just been, been huge. And so, so yeah, those are kind of my main influences just in cartooning. Now, speaking of black comic creators, you were recently on the blockhead podcast with yeah. Ray Billingsley. Mm-hmm. That listening to that, was incredible. And I could tell like in your voice and that you were just excited to be there. But what was that experience like? Yeah, it was surreal. I mean, recently I've just felt like I'm living in a parallel universe. I think we all feel that with everything going on with, you yeah. know, in the world right now. But, but seriously though, like that was unreal because I, I mentioned in there about how I, you know, I was interested in comic strip cartooning when I was in, in high school and thinking that could be another way of going and yeah, and writing to to Ray Billingsley, and you know, he sent me that encouraging letter and mm-hmm. and a drawing of Curtis, his comic strip character, and so having that right, and then now all these years later, I'm talking to him. <laughs> it's just like, are you That's kidding awesome. me? This is this is crazy. And so yeah, and the fact that you know, but he's he's always we've always communicated though. Like I said, not that many black cartoonists, and so I hadn't really talked to him in person before but you know we connected on facebook i don't know 10 years ago or something and so he you know we would message back and forth and he's very good at at you know sending me a message on my birthday i hope everything's good and all of that so he's a supportive guy which is great and so it was just it was definitely a dream come true to be able to talk to him and and relate on so many levels just you know being a black man in america and cartoonist yeah. And so, so yeah. And then after that, he sent me uh, one of his original comic strips and I was in shock. I was just like, whoa, this is, you know, like he just wanted to, to inspire, I guess. I, I, yeah. I'm very thankful That's for that. Awesome. And so he's definitely a good guy, talented, uh, you know, and experienced, but just the fact that I got to kind of have this relationship with him is really wonderful. So so yes, in the Blockhead podcast, that was a great experience, and I love what he's doing, interviewing comic strips, you know, Jeff uh, Grogan and what he's doing with his with his podcast. So, yeah. so I think that this is a good time. I think that right now, with everything in the world, I think a lot of people are looking at more of uh, comic strips, and they're looking to laugh at, at the absurdity of the world right now. So I think it's a good time to be a cartoonist, and if you want to put your work out there, it's a good time to do it because yeah, I think that people are looking for that. Yeah. It's so easy. You don't have to have a website. I mean, if you just want to publish the social media, uh, I would encourage people to get a website just so that you can own that experience. But yeah, it's so easy because when we were kids, maybe your local school paper. No, um, the same here. And I was the same thing. I was in my high school newspaper and doing the, I was the cartoonist and I wrote articles and that was the thing. It was almost like it was always the, fact that you've got to go through a gatekeeper in order to get anything done, you know, because it's all publishing, it's all in paper. And so, yeah, that's another reason why I keep 
making comics because I feel like I remember the time when it wasn't this easy. I remember the time when it was so hard. You had, had to have tons of money just to make a book and then go to a convention in order to get somebody to see what you're doing. And now yeah. you don't have to do that. So I'm just like, you know, okay, if it's about my time, then I can figure out my time. And so, you know, I think it was eight years ago or so that I started getting up early. You were mentioning getting up early and going to uh-huh. work. And, yeah. you know, I, I get up at like 4.30 and... And that's when I draw my comics, because that's the time when no one else is up. I feel like if I get up at that time in the morning, I better do something. You know, I used to be that I would stay up. No, really, like I used to stay no, up I late. I used, to, I used to think I was the night owl. I'm going to stay up late. But a lot of times I'd be so tired from giving to everybody and doing work all day that it, I, I would just, I would give up a lot of times or just yeah. forget it. But if I get up in the morning, that first, you know, a bit of energy goes to what I really love creatively, it's really exciting. And it changed me. And I felt like after having a child, I was like, wait a minute. Now, I know what it's like not to have sleep. So yeah. I can definitely get up earlier and just deal with it and push through. And yeah, you get up and you drink that coffee and you just, you go to it. And yeah. so it saved me. It's, it feels like a magic, a magical uh, gift that's been given to me because by the time I get to work, I'm kind of like, wow. I I drew a comic or I did this thing, you know, like you're on that natural high for the rest of the day because you're like, well, I got this done and I'm done with that. Yes. Great. And then you just go on. And so I, I I didn't know if I could stick with it, but yeah, it's been years of doing that. And I I really recommend it to people, even if it seems hard, figure out a time you can get up. And so you can have at least an hour or two to work on whatever it is that you're doing. I think the morning is great. And then a lot of minds are asleep. Yeah, you know, this is more of a kind of spiritual side of it, but I think that there's just less people awake mm-hmm. and thinking, and so I feel like there's just more space for you to get good ideas and to think and have energy at that time. So I just really like the um, the early morning. No, I you've like pretty much said everything I would say about it. It's I, I used to be the same way. Like I'd stay up late. There were times where I would stay up to like four in the morning, and mm. my wife and I would have to get up at six to go to our jobs. You know, and and then but it, yeah, it shifted when we had kids a few years ago. It's like you know, it's just easier to get up early. And I get out of the house. I used to go to a coffee shop, and I would sit and I would like write those Squarespace books, or I would work on freelance work, or I would do some kind of illustration or drawing and it's great because you've got all that creative energy in the morning that you can put into your own thing and yep. you still got creative and if you've got a creative job like you know like you and I do be it you being an art teacher me working uh, for a web company it's like I've still got creativity to give yes, the rest yes. of the day but like when it's time to go home though and eat dinner mm. it's like I'm just ready to turn off and like what's on TV <laughs> you know, right. just exactly. hang out with your family and right. Yeah. The family time, all of that. It's like, you know, you're kind of in that mode of, I just want to be here, eat my food, be with the family, watch a yeah. little TV and, and chill out and relax and ease down from the day. Yeah. So now I got to work myself back up and, yeah. and be creative again. You know, no, it's just better do that early and yeah. And, and, and get it done. And it's just, it's amazing how it feels throughout the day. To just know that you you got your your own work done, you know. So, what's something that you think you're really good at, but you're actually not good at it? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Let's see here. Oh, I wow. Well, you know, I I guess I think that I have become very patient with the process of you know, success or, or, you know, getting to the place that you want to be and all that kind of stuff. But I am not, I am, you know, like I've had problems with patience in my life. And I think from being a teacher and all that, like I've learned more patience. And I think that I am just so patient because I can work with children and, and do all these kinds of things and be patient with them, but I'm still pretty impatient. And I think that, you know, from the things we talked about, even today, just that fact of, giving up on my comic strip and taking a year off and that kind of stuff because I was in pain. I thought something should have happened at a point that it really didn't. And I felt like, Oh no, no, it should have happened by now. And that's, it takes a long time. And I'm even learning now, but I think even Jim Davis today, I listened to an interview with Jim Davis of Garfield and he was saying how he was an assistant on the tumbleweeds comic strip for nine years, I think before Garfield. And I was like nine years. 
that's on I mean, you know, like that's a long time of being an assistant. And that during that time, of course, he's working on his own comic strips and working on getting Garfield published, and it worked out for him. But it's a slow process. It doesn't always go as fast as you'd like. And so that's my issue. Of a lot of times, I think that I'm being patient. But that's the whole problem is that I don't think I understand what patience means. So it's like, you know, <laughs> what I think is a certain amount of time, you probably just need to double or triple that. And then that's probably what it is. And so I'm learning that and trying to get better with patience and stopping myself and saying, wait, no, no, really, maybe I'm just not there yet or it's just not the time. And so, so yeah, that's really what it is, I think. the patience. I found that when you're looking at, someone else's success and that success could be they post like new designs or new art, new, new strip or whatever on Instagram or some website where you follow them. And you're like, man, how do they, how do they create that? Like, how do they create these things every day or whatever it is? But you, you find that you're not looking beyond what they're posting or what they're creating to see the process that it took them to get there. If someone's got a book that's coming out, that book may have taken them six years to write or 10 years to write. It's, it's all about perspective. And mm-hmm. when you're looking at yourself and what you're creating, it, it, it can feel like an eternity for things yes. to happen. And that, yeah. And it's hard. I, I don't fault you for being impatient <laughs> at all yeah. and feeling yeah. that way. Yeah. It's um, a lot of work, right? You put all that work yeah. in and you just, yeah. So, but still it's like, it doesn't, that doesn't always matter. I mean, sometimes you're just training. So it's just important for me to, Look for more of those stories of people that spent all those years working really hard, going through whatever they went through to get to that place. Because we we only see the success, right? We don't see all yeah. the work that went into getting there. So all I the gotta, failures. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So my last question: If you could recommend a book to someone, anything, it could be mm-hmm. about creating comics, it could be a business book, just whatever, just a book you think would be helpful. What would you recommend? I think, of course, so many, but I would go for a book called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell is famous for The Tipping Point and Blink, and he he, he, writes these books about exceptional people and and things and reasons why things uh, become popular and all of that. I love his work. But Outliers is great. It's the story of success, basically, but it's basically talking about certain people that have become successful, but... It's more than just that. It's like the time period that they were born in and and what and, and where they lived and who they had around them and, and these kinds of things where it shows that there's so many other aspects to becoming successful in life. And and it doesn't mean that you are set up well. I mean, you know, you could come from nothing. And we all hear those stories. Oh, we came from nothing. And, but there are still other elements and parts of it that connect to to make it work, uh, and a lot of it, yes, is timing, but why? What's the timing mean? So he breaks a lot of that down, and Outliers is just a great book for that, and it'll help you see where you are in your life, and no matter where you've come from and what you've been through, a way to kind of figure out how to get the success you want. But, yeah, some things might be possible, some things might not be possible and just like what we talked about before that time of i remember the time before the internet and and wanting to draw and make comics and now seeing you know that's a part of why i'm doing what i'm doing now because i feel like i can so those kinds of things influence us so i just think it's an interesting book for anybody trying to do anything because yeah i think we can all become outliers in our chosen uh profession or passion awesome well khalid thank you so much for being on the show i really appreciate it yeah, thanks. It's my my pleasure. Thank you for having me on, and it's always exciting to kind of talk about cartooning and 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 yeah, and how we make it all work. So yeah, this has been great.